The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Don't forget to visit ChrisTinney.com for more information about today's topics and download the new Spread Peace app that makes it easy to take action and advocate for the causes you care about. And now, here's your host, Chris Tinney. Well, welcome back to another edition of Up Close with Chris Tinney. And today we're going to be getting up close with an organization that I just love. And I know you guys do too, because I saw all the posts on uh, Facebook when we posted this event. Don't forget the show will be on iTunes, Google Play, tune in uh, tomorrow. And you are lucky enough to be hearing it live if you're listening to the live stream right now. If you are listening to a download or a recorded version, which I know uh, tens of thousands of people will do that, all the links that we mentioned during the show are are right below the post. So uh, if you're live, you get to call in and ask any questions you want and if you're not live you get to have all the links at your fingertips to explore around while we're chatting and it, it won't turn off the uh, the sound when you do that uh, folks real quick i just want to thank you for all the sharing and the love you've been showing uh the show the shares on facebook i pay attention to everyone i try to get around it doesn't always show me everyone who's doing that but i, I want you to know i really appreciate that because that's really what we're trying to do is is educate people and and you know we're not really trying to change them with any of our shows next week we have the non-gmo project the week after that i've got some people from black lives matter coming on that's a conversation you don't want to miss it took me a while to kind of understand what, what was going on i see these things on the news and i don't know i'm white it, I mean, it makes me a little uncomfortable to talk about it. i feel like i'm going to say something wrong so that's going to be an awesome show non-gmo and today's show is is a great one because it's an organization that i've i've worked with in the past vegan outreach org, And we have John Camp, the Executive Vice President of Vegan Outreach, on the phone with us, ready to take your calls. If you want to call in, by the way, I'll just give out that number one more time for you, 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. And, I, you know, what I love about John, we were chatting a little bit before the show, getting ready, is that, you know, people are passionate. You know, I know that... People don't want to hurt animals. They don't want to hurt the environment. And so I really don't feel like we're out trying to change people. We're just trying to help them wake up to who they really are, compassionate people that want to make a difference. I think deep down, all of us uh, you know, want to make a difference and don't want to hurt others or animals. And so that's why I think this is a great conversation to have with one of the most effective campaigns out there, the leafleting program, the college campus program. Uh, he was just sharing. I'll, I'll let him give you the stats. I'm not going to steal the numbers, but uh, John Camp, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's an Th- honor to be here. Thanks for being on here. So real quick, before we get into our discussion and, and you know about being vegan and, and what that looks like and why and all the rest of it, can you tell us a little bit about Vegan Outreach? Yeah, thank you. So Vegan Outreach was formed in 1993 and really came, uh, really started 
um, flowering in 1994. Our main thing is that we print and distribute these booklets that talk about the plight of farm animals and advocate more vegan eating. We distribute these on college campuses. Um, one thing that animal agriculture has going for itself is often its ability to keep the general public in the dark about the uh, mistreatment of today's farm animals. So since animal agriculture isn't going to invite the general public onto its facilities, it's our job as animal activists to bring the factory farms and slaughterhouses directly to the general public. And again, we do that primarily through printing these booklets that let people know that uh, today's farm animals don't lead good lives and that we can make decisions that um, bring about a better world for animals. And uh, every year we are on college campuses day after day reaching out to college students with this information. We reach uh, a few million every single year and we are now in the United States. We have some tours in Canada and the UK and then we have uh, coordinators based also out of Mexico, Australia, and New Zealand. So, so it's just widespread distribution of information about uh, the plight of today's farm animals and how we as consumers can do something to uh, right the wrongs that we've done to animals. Now, you know, and I had somebody post on the page, they said, are you going to get into, you know, the stuff that's going to really freak me out? And I said, well, I mean, we're not going to, you know, uh, scare you, but I mean, you, you get to understand why people are so passionate and why it's so important that we adopt a plant-based diet. And you, you, we, you know, we have to share what, what's really going on because you're right. People would be shocked if they, if they knew the truth or they really saw what was happening. I saw that other countries had, you know, banned chicken, you know, they, they won't even let our chicken in there because it's, it's you know, the small cubicles that we're growing them in don't meet, you know, I won't go into it, but, but tell us what, what, John, what, what is the information for those that haven't seen the booklet or watched your video that you feel is so important that, that people know? Yeah. Well, a lot of people, when they think of the lives of farm animals, they think of contented animals on small farms roaming around kind of like old McDonald's farm. And a lot has changed since the 30s and 40s, which is the vision we have of uh, farms that starting around the end of World War II, farmers went away from the old McDonald's farm model and started bringing animals inside into these large uh, large facilities that are often windowless um, that um, where, where they keep thousands and thousands of animals in these facilities, often kept in cages, crates, uh, or just so packed that they can uh, not really move around or spread their wings. And so it's for today's farm animals, a life of uh, constant frustration uh, and suffering. Um, and so, so it, it's, I think kind of difficult for me to really put into words exactly what farm animals endure. And I think it's important for listeners to go online and check out some of the videos. There's a video called What Cody Saw About an Undercover Investigator. Or there's one called Farm to Fridge. And, and so it's, it's important to really try to see what animals are enduring. Um, so, so really it's, it's uh, what people really object to is um, – is this life of confinement where animals are just production units and, and nothing more and don't really lead lives that um, are fulfilling, certainly not lives that any of us would want to live. And so your organization then provides pamphlets to, to people that they can actually go out and, and hand out and do you have events or how, how do people get involved with, with 
vegan outreach. Yeah, thanks. So, 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 yeah, our booklets in, in they're they're not too gory, but they do give a, a sober um, view of what today's farm animals endure. And um, with our booklets, also provide practical information like what to eat, where to find this. Um, we're on college campuses. We we go to pretty much every single major or mid-sized university every semester. Um, we've got it, we've got regional coordinators who are based out of D.C., Seattle, Los Angeles, New York City, uh, San Francisco, and the Southeast. And then we have some touring coordinators who go throughout the country and go from college to college. If individuals wanted to get involved with this, they could email me, John, which is J-O-N, at veganoutreach.org, and I would put whoever contacts me in touch with either our regional coordinator or the coordinator who's going to be in their neck of the woods. But but it's almost a certainty that we will be in your region. And the nice thing about that is that often for people who want to get involved in activism, often in these small towns, there's, there's not really an outlet. And then if somebody feels compelled to do this, it can often be kind of daunting to get out and do this by themselves. So the nice service that Vegan Outreach provides is that we can we, we get these experienced activists in your neck of the woods and you can join them and you can see that something like leafleting um, is uh, not that scary. Most people are friendly. If, you, if you're friendly with people, most people are going to be friendly in return. And, um, and that there are a lot of people out there who really care about this issue. And, and so it's nice to connect with a lot of people and it's nice to make a lot of people who care about animals but who are not really aware of what today's farm animals endure, it's nice to um, give these people a heads up and, and give them the opportunity to make an informed, compassionate uh, decision about what they're next going to eat. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've really appreciated about vegan, matter of fact, when I got married, going on nine years coming up this year, they, thank you, uh, she said, what are these boxes? Because I had boxes of these vegan average, and I had bought so many of them, and, I, and you guys even donate them to some groups as well. Uh-huh. But I, I, you know, I, what I loved about it was that no matter, you know, sometimes you wake up and you wonder, what, what can I do to make a difference today? I mean, you, you, it's not easy to volunteer. You call some of these places, and you've got to come in for a training, they got to do their background. You can't just, you know, go out and do something that you know makes a difference. And what I loved about vegan outreach is if you've got a stack of leaflets, you can go make a difference. You can walk out your front door. And like you said, you'll meet some great people and you really are making a difference. I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories from people that have actually changed their views on things because of the of the leaflet that they were given or the pamphlet. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. What, what you said about um, how easy it is, what, what I really like about leafling is that it's very entry level, that, that you don't need much training. All you need to do is get out uh, with a stack of booklets and a positive disposition and a smile and start offering individuals information. And, um, and it's also for, for many their, um, their first foray into activism. So, so since Vegan Outreach started our Adopt-A-College program a little over a decade ago, we've had 4,000 individuals who have gotten out to leaflet with us. And, and a lot of these individuals end up working for uh, an animal advocacy group or go on to volunteer more. So, so yeah, I, I really like that it's so basic that people can join uh, any, any age, um, uh, any walk of life can, can join us. So, so that's one thing. And yeah, we are always hearing from individuals who have been moved by this. That was one of the things uh, I, for the first 10 years, I've been with Vegan Outreach for 11 years. For the first 10 years of my 
um, uh, vegan outreach existence, I traveled from college to college throughout the United States and Canada. And it was really heartening for me to come across individuals who said, hey, you were on campus a year ago. I got a booklet from you. I'm now vegetarian. I'm now vegan. And Vegan Outreach also receives, on the back of our booklets, we have a text number where people can uh, text to get a booklet or we also they could also order on our w- website to get a starter guide. And so a lot of people who receive a booklet want more information so they reach out to us to get a starter guide. And we get hundreds of these requests every uh, month. So it's really neat to look wow. back after a tour for me to look back and say, <laughs> oh, there, there's, a re- there's a couple requests from um, Baton Rouge and there's a couple requests from New Orleans. And just to follow my tour and to see that People are in pretty much every city uh, requesting more information. And um, often when you're out doing this work, it could seem kind of intangible that you're just offering somebody a booklet and they're taking it and they're going their own way. Um, the nice thing about working for VO is that I've seen the, the tangible aspects of this, of people um, writing in us to let us know how their life was changed or ordering a starter guide. And then the surveys that have been done so far have shown that there is a lot of behavior change as a result of this, that, that um, a decent percentage of individuals who get a booklet um, do at least cut back on meat and a, a significant amount of them go vegetarian and vegan. And what we found so far is for about every two booklets handed out, about one animal is spared from suffering as a result of uh, behavior change. Oh, that is awesome. That yeah. is great. Yeah. Well, you brought up a couple things there I want to unpack, and I am going to get back to, to what's happening with the farming of animals today, but I, but you Please. brought up a couple things there. Um, one was, you know, you can have a good time if you're nice to people, and then you also mentioned that people have gone vegetarian or vegan, and I was, I'm, I'm not kidding you, this was this morning, I was on a group, I'm not going to say the name, but you'd laugh because it was, it was a friendly name, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and it was vegans, like 9,000 people on Facebook. I think I'm going to start a new group after this one called Happy Vegans, uh, <laughs> and, and this girl said she'd been vegan for, for almost two years, but she went to a friend's uh, wedding, and she ate their wedding cake, and she felt bad, you know, but she hasn't eaten anything non-vegan in, in two years, and she felt bad, and the admin came on and said, well, we're going to delete you from the group because there's other groups for people who are transitioning, are still transitioning, yeah. and yeah. I thought, wow, you know, really, like we're gonna. So, so you you consider somebody going vegetarian as a win? Yeah, I consider somebody reducing their meat consumption as a win. I think any 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 step that um, that reduces the suffering of animals is um, puts us in a better position and puts animals in a better position than they were the second before that person made that change. And, um, and I think that if we were, if we're to take this super critical approach where um, people have to pass this purity test, um, we're going to create this club that um, not a lot of people want to join. I know that my boss, Jack Norris, said we want a vegan world, not a vegan club. And I, and, and, and I, agree, I agree with that, that we, we want this movement to be big tent. And um, I see this really as this continuum, this, this spectrum, and, and I want as many people on this spectrum as possible, from those who reduce their meat consumption to those who go vegetarian to those who go vegan. Um, any reduction in animal products is a win for animals. And also when we look at um, the data out there, we've seen that a lot of people who um, are now vegan start as a vegetarian and there's also some evidence that people who go 
gradually are more likely to stay. Um, you know, that's not, that's not to say we, if somebody were to say, I want to go vegan, I would say, no, you should go vegetarian. But, but <laughs> right. at, at the same time, if somebody were to say they're interested in going vegetarian, I would applaud them and, and I would um, welcome them into, um, you know, the vegan community and, and be as supportive uh, of them as possible. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's a great statement. I, I know people are passionate and I know they mean well. But I always say, you know, if they don't invite you to the next get together or the next dinner because you were such a downer when you were there, like that Debbie Downer on Saturday Night Live, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. if they don't, then you're not there to give your message, right? You're not, you're not there to to show them yeah. how great. And plus, if you look really pissed off, who wants to do what you're doing? Absolutely. <laughs> you, know? you know, if we're to read books on the art of persuading people, you know, I I, I haven't read any of that have said be overly critical of them and and nitpick at them and and um, when we look at the people who have most likely when we're when we're honest with ourselves when we look at those who have had a major impact in our lives it's usually those who have been welcoming and supportive and those who we knew we could trust and um, and I think that we are we are doing a disservice to the animals when we um, make veganism this exclusive club and we belittle those who um, uh, fall short of being a hundred percent pure, and and the last thing I want to say is that none of us are a hundred percent pure. Uh, but by just living in this world, um, we're in somehow contributing to some form of animal suffering. And and I guess the the for me, it's never been about being um, going from ninety nine point nine percent pure to a hundred percent pure. You know, it's just it's just about um, living in the world as it is and and trying to do our part in reducing as much suffering as we can. How did you become vegan, John? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so um, when I was growing up as a kid, I was very concerned about animals. We had a pet poodle. Her name was Mandy, and and I um, pampered Mandy, and I would have done anything for her. Um, starting around me, the time I was a teenager, I started to ask why I would pamper this one creature but um, eat other animals. I asked my parents about this. My dad, who grew up on a small farm in rural Iowa in the 30s and 40s, told me that the animals on his farm led good lives, uh, I guess lives worth leading. So I didn't really think about this much more. And then in 1998, I took an ethics course at a community college at the College of Lake County in Gurney, or in Grays Lake, Illinois, and which is a suburb outside of Chicago. And in the Intro to Ethics course, we talked about various ethical issues. And one day we talked about uh, the mistreatment of farm animals. And um, I, I learned that the treatment of today's farm animals is a far cry from the, the world that my dad grew up in and told me about. And, and I, I really, after learning what I learned, um, couldn't, um, couldn't honestly say that today's farm animals do lead lives that are worth leading. Not, not, they, they don't lead lives that I would want to trade my life for. And um, as somebody who tried to look out for the underdog, you know, when I was a kid, I tried to speak up um, against bullies. I, I thought that uh, what we are doing as humans to animals is, is kind of being bullies. And, and um, I wanted to do my part to speak out against um, um, against the mistreatment of, of creatures who are really vulnerable and who are counting on our mercy. So um, I decided to go vegetarian, and then um, I wrote to PETA. This was, um, I think, pre-internet. No, oh, I'm sorry. This was 1990. 
five that this happened. And so this was pre-internet, so I wrote to PETA, and PETA um, sent me through the mail some, some information, and I um, um, started getting active and then learning more and more from PETA. I eventually um, learned that today's not only those animals raised for meat, but um, animals, egg-laying hens and uh, dairy cows also lead really bad lives. So uh, in 1998, I decided to um, also cut eggs and dairy out of my diet. So I've now been vegetarian for 20 years and vegan for 17 of those. And wow. so so far, so good. I feel happy and healthy and um, feel like it was uh, one of the best decisions I've made. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this is that there are, there's a lot of things in life that we, a lot of problems going on in the world that we don't really have control over, uh, but we do really have control over what we eat. And that's, that's one thing that every time, every, every day we have uh, at least three meals. And um, each time we sit down to eat, that gives us the opportunity to ask if we want to uh, add more cruelty and suffering into the world or more kindness and mercy. And, and for me, it's been a very liberating experience to um, exercise my ability to um, make the world a better place, make the world uh, one with less suffering and violence and more uh, compassion and consideration for the well-being of others. Yeah, I really think it opens up energetically. I mean, you, when you treat, when your actions show that you understand that we're all connected and people put up bumper stickers that say we are one uh, or compassion or this, but when you're actually living a compassionate life, I, I think that it just, you can feel it. I mean, the, things are just more welcoming to you. I, I want to talk about the farming here for a minute, but before I do, I want to let people know that, you know, one of the things that led me to being vegan about, well, it was about 20 years ago. Well, no, it was about 18 years ago. So we're probably about the same time frame there. Uh -huh. uh, was I started, you know, Buddhist practice and meditating and, and, you know, first it was don't, you know, we shouldn't eat meat. So I just did it because he said, and then I, I truly noticed a difference. I truly could feel just the difference. And then pretty soon it just didn't feel good anymore. I went to put on a, a leather coat and I was like, this just doesn't feel right. I'm putting on the skin of some animal. And then at some point, you know, we reach a point as vegans where we just realize that it's not food. I don't even recognize it as food anymore. So it's not, you know, I, yeah. so I, and I think that's where some of the younger, when I say the younger vegans coming up, I feel old, <laughs> 49, <laughs> but the, you know, they, they, you know, they're, I know they're passionate about it. We all are. We love animals. We don't want to uh -huh. eat them. But, but uh, I think that's where they, they, they've kind of, you know, haven't learned that they're going to get a lot further with people if they're if they're being nice to them and and help them along the path and just help them with the next step, whatever that is, whatever that next step is. You know, and that might be you know certainly connecting them with vegan outreach, giving them a pamphlet. If you don't have a pamphlet, they can share your website. You've got great videos there too. Um, yeah. But it also, you know, I read a book. Uh, I worked with a guy named John Robbins who mm -hmm. wrote Diet for a New America, and we were both at a company called Celtech together, which was a network marketing company. And both of his uncles, Baskin and Robbins, he was the heir to the Baskin. And Robin's ice cream chain died of heart heart attacks by the, before yeah. they were before they were forty, yeah, and wow. and so he didn't take over the company business. He had an ice cream cone machine in his house. He had a pool that was in the shape of an ice cream cone, <laughs> and and you know, he wrote this book and it just shared you know the impact that it has you know on the environment with animals that that you know today switching to a vegan diet actually saves fifty percent more carbon than than, than driving a Prius. 
<laughs> and, and, and we're now using 30% of the Earth's land mass to grow animals. That, you know, that, that same space, as I'm sure you know, John, but for our listeners, could be used to grow acres and acres. We're taking 10 acres of, of feed and feeding it to a, a cow that's only going to make a few hamburgers, and that same acreage could have fed hundreds of people. So it, it really is, I mean, even Einstein, a lot of people have pointed out to that you know this isn't going to work. We can't. Seventy percent of our grain right now is being grown to feed animals instead of people. Eighty percent of the land has been chopped down. That you know, the, one of the top two reasons. I'm not going to say number one, but that was the last report I saw that they're chopping down the rainforest is to is to clear cut so they can grow cows for Americans in Europe. Yeah. It, yep. I'm sorry. Well, I'll let you jump in. I. I wasn't going to hit you on the environment stuff, but but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it has such a huge impact with with people. Yeah, and yeah, when you're talking about the deforestation, it's yet yeah, for grazing land, but also to, as you were saying, uh, gr- to uh, raise food to feed farm animals, and right. and so so that's really the biggest inefficiency is that we've got all this food that we're growing, and we can eat it directly, or we can funnel it through farm animals. And we're, we're losing a lot of that. So, you know, if you eat um, plant-based foods, you're, you're consuming one calorie. If you're um, funneling it through fam- farm animals, you're putting a lot of calories into this farm animal to get back, uh, you know, a single calorie. So, so it's inefficient that way because a lot of this, the, the energy that animals are using um, doesn't convert itself to uh, the form of um, edible flesh or um, animal products that animals need to use calories to grow bones or to sleep or to grow hair. And so, so yeah, it's, it's uh, really an outrage that when there are people who are starving that we're taking um, a lot of this food and inefficiently funneling it through animals. And, and yeah, as you were saying, that, that it um, is a major contributor to climate change and it's not just animal activists and vegans who are, who are sounding the alarm on this. It's organizations like the United Nations who put out this report called Livestock's Long Shadow, which showed that um, you're uh, adding more greenhouse gas emissions, that we as a society are adding more greenhouse gas emissions um, into the atmosphere through animal agriculture than through all of transportation combined. Um, and wow. then there's groups, you know, there's the University of Chicago, which also put out a report similar to what you said, where they said that we can do just as much good in terms of eliminating our um, the greenhouse gas emissions that we emit um, by switching from an omnivorous diet to a vegetarian diet than by switching from a sedan to an SUV, or I'm sorry, from a SUV to a sedan. Right. Yeah. It's just I, you know, the, one of the things that that uh, really blew my mind was the Inconvenient Truth Al Gore's movie. He left out the number one thing that out that out. If you want to have an impact, I no one has shown me anything ever. The science all shows a, a, a plant based diet or a vegan diet is the number one thing you can do. Far more the, the cow, the methane from the cows, and everything else that are ruining the environment. And he left it out of that movie. And a lot of people think that you know there were reasons for that. But I, I don't want to get a conspiracy here. But I, I just can't believe it. Now, now we're there. When he came out with that movie, it probably wouldn't have been a hit if he would have confronted people with their their, their desire to, to eat meat. Yes. Now, to, to, Al, to Al Gore's credit, he has since gone vegan. Uh, I, I haven't followed this in the news over the last 
year, but I know as of a couple years ago, he silently went vegan, and then about a year later, he confirmed through media outlets that he was still vegan. And um, I wow. have not, I have not gotten an update in the last uh, half year, or so, so I'd be curious to do that. But but um, he has silently uh, changed his mind on that. So oh well, that's good. Well, him, Bill yeah. Clinton, Clinton, we're getting quite a collection there. <laughs> that's great alright well, I'm going to be politically correct everybody and give you a trigger warning here this is a trigger warning if I had alarms and sound effects I would do that I don't know if my producer has a bell or a whistle there but uh, I am going to ask him about the farming practices because you can't understand this issue if you don't understand what's going on so I, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that you've, you've heard uh, hopefully everything we talked about just gave you the gumption for lack of a better word to actually you know, confront what we're supporting with our choices that we make, um, you know, is it forks over knives? One of you know the real the real place to make a difference is on your dinner plate every night. I mean, and once you understand this, there is no way that you that you you know won't feel joyous about adopting a plant based diet because it, there's just so many benefits. There's health benefits, the environmental benefits, and of course, it's because we like animals, right? Who you know, we're supposed to love them, not eat them. You've seen the bumper stickers, but why? Why are so people so passionate? And that's why I cut a little slack to some of those people on Facebook, like that group I mentioned that are attacking people, you know, and saying, oh, well, you know, kicking you out of the group. Um, you know, as John mentioned, you know, nobody's 100%. We could all trace something back that we probably use today <laughs> that somewhere yeah. along the way, whether it was workers that ate meat that came to work, uh, but there's somewhere along the way that they were part of it. So that's why I invited John Camp of veganoutreach.org to be on with us today. I hope you go to their website, get the pamphlets, make sure, I mean, seriously, the, 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 this is great information. It's stuff you need to know. And if you want to have a lot of fun, go out on the streets and go home and night and know that for every two you hand out he mentioned you're you know you're helping save an animal that that, that's pretty exciting so uh, with that john i guess i'll ask you what you know what do you think are the top things people would be surprised to know about how their food makes it to their table Uh, i think the thing that surprises a lot is just the treatment of egg laying hens so so a lot of people think what's the harm um Hens lay eggs, and um, they live pretty good lives, and so there's um, no harm done in that. Um, the, if, if I were to um, not be reincarnated as one animal, uh, you know, say reincarnation exi- <laughs> you know, existed, which I don't think it does, but, but let's pretend it does. Well, I'm Buddhist, so you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, the one animal I would not want to come back in, come back as is a... Uh, a hen in what's called a battery cage, and um, an, an egg-laying hen in the U.S., for example, and, and many of the other um, uh, developed nations. So, so um, what a battery cage is is this wire mesh cage that keeps um, anywhere from four to six, seven, sometimes eight hens, and um, they are unable to spread their wings. Um, they live in these cages for eighteen months and um, lay. Um, uh, an egg about every other day or so. And um, um, while they could live up to, say, five or so years, by the time 18 months hits, they are so spent that they are trucked off to slaughter. Um, wow. And, um, and then the male chicks who, so, so um, in the egg-laying industry, uh, there, you can have um, 
females who are born into it or males. Um, these, these are different strains of birds than those raised for meat because the, the hens, the, the chickens raised for meat are, um, are basically um, selected to be as top heavy as possible to be, to have as much meat. Whereas the chickens raised for eggs are raised, are, are artificially selected to um, produce eggs. So, so for um, the egg laying industry, you're going to have uh, males or females. Females will go into these cages and they'll produce eggs, but males, there's no real use for them. They, they can't lay eggs and they don't grow enough meat on them to um, be profitable for the meat industry. So um, every year, 250 million of these male hens in the U.S. are killed at birth. They're either thrown in garbage bags where they suffocate or thrown in a dumpster or ground up alive. And so for, for, the, egg laying, um, for, for the egg industry, there, there's a lot of suffering both in terms of the wretched day-to-day existence of um, the female hens who have to produce egg after egg after egg until their body is spent and they're trucked up to slaughter, and the males who really serve no economic incentive to the egg industry, so they are um, killed at birth. Um, so, so a lot of people think the killing in and of itself is bad, but um, and, and the slaughter itself is is not a pleasant experience. But for many of the animals existing on today's farm, um, today's factory farms, um, slaughter is in some sick way a blessing for them because the 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 real uh, injustice is their day to day existence. You know, I mean, death death is the greatest injustice, but. Um, Ultimately, the, the thing that causes them the most suffering is their, their miserable day-to-day existence. Um, and, and again, people who would like to read more about this can go to uh, veganoutreach.org and order a starter guide from us. And that will have a lot of recipes and nutritional information, but it will also have a bit on, um, on the mistreatment of today's farm animals. And I think that if we are to eat animal products, it's, it's responsible to at least know what we're contributing to and to, you know, I think most of us want to be educated on, on, um, the, the impacts of our actions. And so I think it, it really is worth us taking the time to, um, to educate ourselves about today's farming practices. You know, I was saw in the news, this was a couple of years ago, it's probably three or four, maybe five years ago, but I, I saw that some countries had banned chickens from America because the, the cages were 55 centimeters that, wide that they're growing them in. And anything under, I think it was like 82, 84 centimeters, they increased their chances of getting cancer and these diseases by like four or five hundred percent. So I don't know if they, do you know anything about that or have you heard of that? You know, I wish I, wish I could pull that fact out of my head right now, but I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about, but there, but there have been a number of there. There are a number of countries who do not allow certain U.S. Uh, farm animal products into their country um, for for different reasons. Some are animal welfare reasons. Some are um, health concerns about what we treat animals with. But but yeah, there there are a number of countries who ban. Um, the U.S. exporting animal products. You mean, you mean there's other countries that, that don't think we treat our animals ethically or they don't think we treat them correctly, so they're banning <laughs> them just on that reason? Um, oh, wow. yeah. I mean, there, wow. There, there, are, there are certain countries. For example, the European Union has been way ahead of the U.S. in terms of animal uh, welfare conditions. You know, um, right. they, they've banned some of the most egregious practices 
before the U.S. has. And and I'm glad to see the U.S. You know, as a vegan, I I um, don't want people. Um, I don't think animals should be raised and killed. But but I also do. I, I am grateful that there are groups trying to ban some of the worst practices in the U.S., like the Humane Society of the United States is working to. Um, in California, they had Prop 2 in 2008, which banned um, battery cages, gestation crates, and veal crates. And now they're doing something similar in Massachusetts that, that will be on the – they're trying to get enough signatures so that this will be on the ballot and I'm going to go up next week to Massachusetts and gather some signatures for that. So, so I think that um, I, I think that it's good that the U.S. is trying to ban um, some of the worst practices, but it's still – even banning the immediate worst practices still does not leave farm animals in a desirable state. Wow, that's amazing to me that, that – that, uh you know, you know, people wouldn't put up with that. Even people that aren't vegan would not put up with the fact that our, that we're lagging other countries in, in how we treat animals for the yeah. food, food supply. I mean, they really wouldn't. Right. I mean, most most people, if you ask them, would say that they care about animals. I mean, it shows why we spend so much on our companion animals every year. Um, and and yes, the the overwhelming in, in every survey that comes out, the majority, the overwhelming majority of U.S. The U.S. population says that they are against farm animal cruelty. So, so right now we have a um, a system that is at odds with um, popular opinion, and and so so it's important that at the bare minimum we move the the welfare standards of today's farm animals at least um, a bit closer to popular opinion. Um, and and you know, again, I want. I want a world where we're not raising and killing animals, but I also approve of any step that can reduce um, the horrendous suffering that today's farm animals are enduring. How do you think we're doing? I mean, in terms of you've been there 10 years now, you said, or 11 mm-hmm. years? And so yeah. how, how do you feel we're, as vegans, how are we doing uh, convincing the public? Great question. Uh, I think we are doing, uh, I, I can't say that it's this, that we're living in some ut- uh, ut- <laughs> vegan, right. vegan utopia, but right. I think we are, we are definitely pushing the ball forward. And, and I know that from the time when I went vegetarian, it's, it's a radically different Landscape and and you're um, you can go to pretty much any mainstream restaurant or a grocery right. store and you're going to have so many vegan options that didn't exist um, way back when. You've got companies like Hampton Creek Foods, which is making um, vegan mayo and vegan ranch and vegan cookies, which is now backed by Bill Gates and other wealthy investors. Um, you've got um, um, college students who have way more. Um, way more options on college campus. I know that compared to when I first started leafleting, compared to when I go out leafleting now, there's so many more people who say, you know, a lot of the times, way back when I first started this, a lot of people didn't know what vegan meant. Now, most people have a friend or a family member or a significant other who's, who's vegetarian or vegan. Um, so, so in terms of awareness and availability, we're, we're definitely making progress. Um, and then also what's, what's been heartening for me has been a drop in consumption. So, so um, we're eating uh, at least 15 pounds less meat per person uh, every year than we were about 10 years ago. It's about a, oh, 10, wow. 10, about a 10% decrease in the amount of meat we're consuming compared to um, a decade ago. Just in the last, there is a stat um, just, just that, that I recently read that it was just over the last seven years, um, 
compared to where we were, we're now raising and killing um, 400 million fewer animals every year. And, and so, so a lot of this isn't necessarily because of new vegetarians or vegans, um, which, which we, we are gaining ground on that, but it's primarily because of um, U.S. consumers eating less meat. So, so because, of them, because of them doing that, there, is, there, there are hundreds of millions fewer animals who are enduring a lifetime of suffering. Um, so, so, you know, I think the fact that we're, after really starting around the end of World War II, um, meat consumption had gone up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And now it's been in the last decade that we're starting to see a decrease in that. So, so you know, after 60 years of constant increase, it's, it's neat to see a decrease in that. And, and that's, that's another reason why I'm not quick to pounce on people who are reducing their meat consumption or going vegetarian or vegan because um, the people who are reducing their meat consumption are responsible for a decrease in the number of animals raised and killed each year in the U.S. Um, so, so that's that. And then there are other things, like, like if you were to look at Google search results, that um, each year far more people are, you know, Google tracks what people are searching. And, and each year there's an increase of people typing in vegan or vegan recipes. And, and uh, you got more celebrities who are uh, vegetarian or vegan, um, so, so yeah, I, I think, you know, again, while the, while we're so far away from a, uh, vegan utopia, at least in the U S there, there is a slow changing of perception of how we view animals, our favorability about veganism, and there are fewer animals being raised and killed each year because of consumer changes. We're talking with John Camp of veganoutreach.org. We talked about the impact of a vegan diet, how you can make a difference, uh, how, how the fight's going. We're, we're, we're winning, folks. We're winning. When we come back from this break, we're going to have some final thoughts. Don't go away. We're going to have a quick message from uh, Matthew McConaughey. Would it be crazy if you just stopped everything, packed your bags, and left for a week, a month, a year? What if you left for two years? Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To build libraries and fill them with stories? Prepare a meal with food you helped grow? to teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself. Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. 
To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Up Close today with Vegan Outreach. John Camp, the uh, outreach I'm sorry, the executive vice president. I didn't mean to downgrade your job position there, John. You just demoted me. <laughs> uh, over a million of your own pamphlets you've uh, handed out on, on the uh, veganoutreach.org website that I was looking at. It's a great brochure. Thank you for all the work you've done. Let me ask you something. You've got you know, near, nearly uh, you know, two decades going here of, of your vegan experience. What would you recommend to people that have listened to everything they're saying? And they're saying, you know, I want to try that. I want to go vegan. Where, where could you point them to? Thank you. Yeah, I, I would for starters, I would go to veganoutreach.org and you can get a free starter guide. So, so on the homepage, you'll have an option to order a free starter guide and we will send you that. And that will mostly be recipes, nutritional information, and um, meal ideas. It, it will talk a little about um, some of the reasons why people would go vegan, but it's mostly practical, helpful things. And so I recommend ordering that and we'd be happy to send it right out to you. Um, and then in terms of anyone who wants to get active, if somebody is vegetarian or vegan and wants to get active, once again, please go to veganoutreach.org. You could also email me, john, J-O-N, at veganoutreach.org, and I'd be happy to put you in touch with the outreach coordinator in your area, and, um, and we could take it from there. And yeah, whether you're exploring more vegetarian meals or, or taking the next step and in getting involved for animals, uh, we're, we're in a really exciting time where we really are making uh, changes and we're seeing real progress for animals in the vegan movement. And uh, each one of us can make a really big impact. And I can't encourage any of you enough to get involved and do what you can to help bring about a better world for farm animals. Well, John, thank you so much for everything you and your organization and, and the people that support Vegan Outreach. And folks, support doesn't mean um, just mailing them money. I mean, sharing this interview, sharing their Facebook page, you know, joining their newsletter. These are all things you can do to support the, the mission of Vegan Outreach, and I think you'd be proud that you did. Um, John Camp, thank you so much for joining us today on Up Close. Thank you, Chris. It's been fun. I Thank appreciate you. you having me. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, I, I just want to let you know that I, it's shows like this that I appreciate bringing to you, and, and I appreciate you sharing on your Facebook page. I want to thank you for everything that you uh, have been doing to make this one of the, the most listened to shows so far, especially with, with new people. And uh, I, I just don't know how to thank you. I, I love everybody who's listening to this show. I love the people that showed up today. It's the right people. And with every show, I try to give you something that's actionable that you can go do. I can't reiterate the message enough that this purity test, you know, isn't going to get you anywhere. If you start harassing people and you upset them, who wants to join that club? Who wants to come back to that dinner again? You, you know, you, you want to be able to be invited to the next dinner party so that you people will ask you. You know, my goal when I go out to dinner with people is not to be the biggest pain in the ass at the table, right? I mean, I don't want I want, I want people to see how easy it is, and it really is. 
I mean, it really is once you, especially once you get in the groove and you, and you, and you feel that connectedness. So thank you so much. Next week, we've got the non GMO project. This is going to be a show. You don't want to miss. These guys have got the scoop on GMOs and what's going on. And uh, we've got the executive director of the organization on with us. Uh, the week after that, we've got uh, some people from the Unitarian Universalist church, uh, people involved in the black lives movement and people involved in standing on the side of the love all joining us here on Up Close. I'll see you next week. This is the end of the show. You don't have to let the conversation end now. Visit ChrisTinney.com to learn more about today's topic. Listen to past shows and connect with like-minded people. Up Close with Chris Tinney is broadcast live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and rebroadcast online and throughout North America in select markets. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And we'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney.